All right, everybody, welcome to the next episode of Perspectives with Jeremiah Stevenson. And I'm your host, Jeremiah Stevenson. Today we have Xander, car crash kid, and we're going to talk to they about yeah. stuff today. <laughs> they, they, them. They, them. Hey. It fits in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I'll start off with what kind of brought this about. Um, I've been into music for all of my life, and I moved up here to Atlanta. And I got into the DIY circuit, and that's where I met Crash at. And it was really cool. I didn't really know them uh, that much, but I was like, hey, you've got a really cool story. And what made me want to get you on the podcast was a Facebook post. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can say hey. Hi. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Crash. I'm Xander. Whatever works. <laughs> uh, let's see. So I was scrolling through Facebook one day, and there's a Facebook post that was like, yo, fam. Like, for the last three, four years, <laughs> like, identified as gay. But, like, for the last two or three weeks, yo, I've been, like, I've been craving some dick, yo. <laughs> and I was like, what is this thing right here? This is amazing. <laughs> it was, it caught my interest, like, crazy. And, like, the thing about this show is perspectives, other people's lives. Like, mm-hmm. what are people going through? What have people gone through? And how does that speak to someone else to help them grow as a person, as an individual, and grow and just be amazing? So... What was what is that process? Let's start there, and then we'll backtrack a little bit, all right. because that's what I wanted to talk about first, and we'll yeah. get that out of the way, and then we can just talk about well, all, all right. of it's about you. So, uh, what was that like, Xander? Uh, well, first and foremost, I still very much would identify myself as like queer or gay or like whatever term you want to throw on that. Um, mainly that post in particular. I had gone through like a couple years of my life, specifically like being a feminine presenting person and identifying person that, like, straight up thought that they were just gay. Like, I thought I was only attracted to women. Like, that was all there was for me. And then as my, you know, gender perspective started to shift because I very much consider myself fluid, I was like, okay, well, now I'm queer. And as I'm starting to shift more back into, like, a feminine period in my life, I was like, wow, okay, but now I'm, like, really feminine again. But I'm almost exclusively attracted to these very masculine-looking folks. And, like, that's not to say anything about, like, my previous relationships, but, like, where I was at in that moment was me constantly being like, oh, that person's really cute, and they're, you know, vaguely masculine, and this person's, like, male-identifying and is really cool. And I just started realizing that, like... It was almost like, you know, when you're in, like, middle school, high school, and everyone calls, like, the young teen girls, like, boy crazy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was finally going through the boy crazy that everyone told me I was supposed to go through years ago, and it was so fucking weird. And yeah. I still don't think I'm through it. Like, I still see people, and I'm like, god damn. <laughs> but it's one of those things where I was just like, oh. But it was one of those things where I just very much am just kind of like, oh, Yeah. I really like, like, what you've got going on right now, and that, like, I hyper-focus on things. Mm -hmm. So that's all I hyper-focused on at that point, was, like, I just want someone masculine that Mm -hmm. I can, like, be, like, very much the norm, Mm -hmm. in quotations, because no one can define what normal is anymore. Because, I don't know, maybe I thought it was easy, maybe I thought it was just kind of what I needed at the time, Mm -hmm. but, like, that's kind of where I'm at. Okay, super cool. What did, I'm trying to think of how the best way to, because I want to, I don't want to gloss over this, but I feel like this kind of impacts your story. Like, what does that, what did that look like for you? That process mentally, that's what I want to kind of 
talk about for just a second in terms of because you did hit on it a lot in that answer but what yeah. was the realizing the shift and after so long was it easy to kind of flow back into that or flow into it rather yeah what okay. was that process like so realizing like my orientation which is still kind of i haven't quite figured out how to define it like am i bisexual am i pan like All of the terms don't quite seem to fit me right in every aspect. Like, none of them have felt like an end-all, be-all, so I'm still playing with those. But realizing my gender identity made it a lot easier to then realize, like, my sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Because the, the two are not the same, and a lot of people get them mixed up saying that they are. In my opinion, like, from personal experiences, because I can't speak to everyone's experience... When I realized, you know, in my gender identity and presentation that I was more fluid, you know, some days I like to very much, you know, throw jeans on and a t-shirt and no makeup and like spike my hair up and look like more masculine. And some days, you know, I do a full face of makeup and the big earrings and sometimes I'll wear wigs and I very much go to like hyper femme levels. Like some people look feminine without trying, and then there's me who will put, like, three hours in the bathroom just because <laughs> I want to look feminine that day and make sure people know I look femme. Right, right. And realizing that there's no right or wrong way to do that, and mm. some days I can do it all the way to one end of the spectrum, or some days I can be in the middle of it, and realizing that other people can also do that mm-hmm. made it a lot easier for me to realize, like... You're not just attracted to men and women, or you're not just attracted to one or the other, like, because you're in the middle of a spectrum, and other people can also be anywhere on this spectrum, like, you're just attracted to those people. Okay. So, that's kind of why I use queer, Mm -hmm. is when I say queer, instead of, like, you know, pan, or instead of saying that I'm bi, or instead of saying that I'm, like, agender, or gender fluid, or whatever label you want to use, I kind of just say queer in the sense of, like... Today, this is how I am, and tomorrow that could change, but, like, it's still me. Yeah. Like, I am not my label. My label is just a part of my personality and how I go about, like, living my day-to-day life and Mm -hmm. working my way through relationships and working my way through my presentations. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not what makes me a person. It's just a part of that aspect of, like, the whole. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It does. Uh I'm going to jump to just the creative aspect of everything. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And just very much a creative myself. One of the things growing up was I had to get to a point where it's very much I am that I am. Yeah. And it's interesting where it's like I am feeling this. I am doing this. I'm creating this. And so I like that hearing that aspect on a bigger scale as an individual. That is, I'm like, oh my gosh. I think that's what I'm attracted to your story is because you are what you present yourself as. Yeah. And you take confidence in whatever you're going to do. So that's what I really enjoy. And that's I think that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to sit down and talk to you. Yeah. Is because I love that aspect of you are you. And you enjoy taking the time to be who you are, how you feel, how you want to be that day, that night, that evening, like anything like that. Yeah. So that was really cool. I think it's really cool that you, uh, you use the term confidence, too. Mm-hmm. Because... In my mind, I am one of the least confident people I know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, the self-doubt, the anxiety, like, I talk about it in my music sometimes. I talk about it in, like, you know, random poems I used to write in journals and never touch. Like, it's always been a reoccurring theme. And, like, 
confidence for me has always been like a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Yeah. So the fact that you mentioned that, like, oh, I see this confidence in you to, like, be who you are, that's wild for me to hear someone say that they pick that up out of me, because mm-hmm. I still, like, every other day have, like, <laughs> that weird, like, mindset of, like, oh, God, no one's going to buy this. I'm bullshitting them. Like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, <laughs> I'm fake as hell. <laughs> and, like, I'm always so worried that that's going to come across to people as I'm, like, faking confidence or I'm talking about all this stuff, because they're going to think that I'm talking out of my ass. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's, it's really cool that you picked that up. Like, I like that. You're very Thank welcome. you. You're very welcome. <laughs> so you started on, you kind of talked about your music. And with going into the confidence and not really having confidence within yourself, but other people seeing it, I want to talk about your music. <laughs> so one of the things Crash does is they run this DIY um, which is a DIY music circuit. Is that the best way to... I wouldn't say that I run the or circuit. Or help you help... I personally, yeah. Okay. I personally hold with a couple roommates of mine a DIY, like, house show venue. We don't specifically bill ourselves, like, as a venue, Mm -hmm. because we never intended to, like, fully be a spot where, like, shows are constantly happening, but Mm -hmm. somehow they just happened. Mm -hmm. DIY is the nitty-gritty us in a room because we have nowhere else to go and we just want a way to share our music, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. at least. And the Atlanta scene specifically has shown me more than, like, anywhere else I've been in a while that that is entirely still alive and well and thriving. Yes. So it was something that made me so excited to get involved in that, like, I couldn't sit back and not be involved in it. And I'll build on top of that is because I work in the film industry. So within Atlanta, I've been out to L.A. a little bit, but within Atlanta, it is one of the biggest communities. For yeah, actors. it's a cultural it's, hub it's now. It's definitely a cultural hub and everyone is trying to help each other out because if you succeed, I succeed. You're yeah. on this podcast helping me, I'm helping you. We're helping build a community for people to look to, to be like, oh, this is amazing. This is what it looks like when people come together and they build things together. They create things together. So it's really cool to see that even outside of my industry, even within this area, within music, that's still happening. For people that are creating their own music, for people that are creating their own content, like, it's awesome. And so that's also another thing I really want to do with this, is really grow that sense of community here. Yeah, no, and I think that's fucking amazing. Like, (laughs) I just, it's very nice to see from where I started. I started, you know, out in Ackworth, Marietta kind of area of Georgia, And it was the same, you know, six pop punk bands and a handful of metal bands. And those were the only people you saw, you know, three times a week. No one else ever came out to that neck of the woods. And those people supported the hell out of each other. But it was never really super welcoming to outsiders, Mm -hmm. or so it sounds. Like, you would see, like, touring bands come in and do bills, But you would never, like, I'd never saw, like, a band from Athens come down to Marietta. They Mm -hmm. always went to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So it was very, like, outside of what was going on. Okay. And when I made the move from there, you know, south into Atlanta, all of a sudden it was dozens of new bands that I had never met. And every show has a new, like, local opener. Or, you know, you'll see two or three, like, big-name locals 
And then, you know, they'll bring one of their friends that doesn't even have a release out yet. They've been writing in their basement for X amount of months. Mm -hmm. And now all they're doing is, you know, going out with their guitar and playing what little bit they've written because they want to share it. Okay. And I think that's just the absolute coolest fucking thing because, Mm -hmm. like I said, where I came from, it was always the same people throwing new material at you, but it was really hard to, like, break into it. Right. Like, even as someone that lived in that area, like... I was writing for almost a year before I ever started playing shows, and in that year, I was never able to find shows out there until I played my first show at a record store in downtown Ackworth called Albums, which is the cutest little spot. Shameless plug. I love them. (laughs) Absolute angels. It's just like, it was so hard to break into it, but the minute I moved to Atlanta, it was... You know, we can't get you in the big venue. Come play these house shows. Mm-hmm. Come sit with your acoustic guitar in the middle of a park with 40 other people and mm-hmm. play your music to them because we have nowhere else to put you, but we want people to hear it. Right. Hell, I know so many people that when I moved to Atlanta, they were like, oh, you've been busking before? Come play the music that you've written on the streets with us mm-hmm. because if we can't play shows, we're going to get a group of six people together, go stand outside of a bar and make 20 bucks and just have a night playing music and it was that sense of like we want you to succeed so we're all going to give you our resources and help you do it Mm -hmm. so that way you can then help others Mm -hmm. and it's that's what we need we we need more of that yes how did getting into music how did that happen for you was there a instance was like oh shit fam like this is great i want to get into this or was it kind of like a, a transitional thing how does that look for you how does your story into music begin. Uh, so, a lot of my life was very much based, or at least a lot of my recent life is very much based around the catalyst of like one shitty person. <laughs> I, you know, at the time when I had met him, he was very much a, I'm in a band, I'm also a solo musician, like I write some stuff, like I'd love for you to hear it. And I started hearing the stuff he was writing, and I was just kind of like, eh, anybody can do that. Mm -hmm. And then I realized how fucking hard it was to do that, and I, like, (laughs) immediately choked on my own words and felt like a fucking dick. (laughs) But I I started writing mainly for myself, kind of, like, as a a challenge to myself. Like, I used to write really shitty poetry in high school. I did some open mics, like, like, I did, like, class open mics. I never performed at an open mic. But uh, I did some shit like that. And at one point, a friend of mine showed up at my house because she just used to kind of have that relationship with me where she like let herself in the front door and just showed up, mm-hmm. heard me playing one of the first songs that I had ever written and looked at me and said, if you have anything else, you need to show me it now because I've never heard you play that and that's amazing. Yeah. And I sat down and I played her like two or three songs that I had written myself And she had, like, started crying at one of them, and she's like, that's so fucking raw and real, like, I know you're a person that has a hard time telling people how you feel, and you just managed to do it in four minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, you just put all of it in a single song, Mm -hmm. and laid it out there as honest as you fucking could, and it got the point across flawlessly. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, I was fucked. (laughs) Because she literally, I didn't even have a band name picked, I didn't have anything recorded, People would start, like, we'd start going to shows together, and they'd be like, oh, do you do music? And she would, before I could respond, would be like, she sure fucking does. Let me tell you about this song she played for me last week. And I'm just like, holy shit, I didn't know if I wanted to do anything with this. This could have been, like, left in my journal and put on a shelf for, like, 
just me to play on my guitar when I'm bored sometimes, and right. you're just throwing me at people. Right. Like, she basically, like, low-key took push. over the point of, like, I'm gonna be your promoter <laughs> now. Your promoter slash high man. What's up? And What's honestly, up? Up? I love her for it, though. Yeah. Because if she didn't do that, I don't know if I ever would have actually done anything with it. Mm-hmm. Because she was the only person that had ever heard my music, even though some of my songs were written as direct messages to people. Mm -hmm. Like, those people hadn't even heard it yet. Mm -hmm. And she, like, she gave me the confidence to be like, no, sit down and play it for them. Even if it's just you and them in a room the way it's just me and you in a room right now. Right. Play it for them, see what happens. Worst comes to worst, they don't like it, or they stop talking to you. And honestly, at that point, they're a shitty person, and they're not supporting you in what you want to do. Right. And I sat down, and I played it for people, and I sat down, and I played one of my songs for that same shitty ex I mentioned. And he had introduced me to the owner of that record store. Right. And the guy was like, hey, we do music on Fridays. You want to come play a gig? (laughs) And I got my first gig. Nice. And I never intended to get there. But because of that little, like, kick in the ass with a steel-toed boot from someone that's shorter than (laughs) 5'6", she, like, catapulted me into doing whatever I wanted to do. And I love her for it. Nice. That's awesome. So what, what is your sound? If you know what it is, even if you don't, try and describe your sound, and then we'll talk about your music. Uh, so, personally, what I use when I'm, like, billing myself kind of changes via the show I'm trying to hop on. Mm-hmm. More often than not, I call myself, like, folk punk. Okay. Or I'll specifically label it, like, acoustic folk punk. There's two reasons I don't necessarily like that. I don't necessarily like the connotation of folk punk because as much as I love a lot of folk punk artists, the connotations with folk punk are, oh, you know, they're dirty train kids or, oh, you know, they're recovering, you know, drug users or things like that. Like, folk punk has always been a very raw, honest, like, outlet. Mm -hmm. Like, it's punk music on whatever you can get your hands on. Yeah. And that isn't necessarily me. Not that there's anything wrong with that because I've related to a lot of that music, but it doesn't necessarily reflect my music. But that's almost always the shows that I get billed on Mm -hmm. because it's the easiest to fit me in with. Mm -hmm. Personally, I feel like I write pop punk music on acoustic guitars a lot. Okay. That being said, the easiest way I would just, I kind of like jokingly describe myself on my band camp and everything online is if I remember correctly, it is indie. Uh, it's either indie folk punk or like indie trash pop, like acoustic trash or like something <laughs> like that. It's like indie trash pop, I think. But uh, it was like a running joke because AJJ at one point had mentioned that like we're not folk punk, we're like trash something or other. Yeah. And, like, they refuse to be called folk punk, even though they're one of, like, the trio that, like, the holy trinity that everyone talks about when they talk about the genre. Mm. And I just, I thought it was so funny that I just ran with it. Nice. So, we're going to go with, one of the questions that I have up here is, how does your life affect your music? And you've kind of touched on a little bit, but that's what we're going to delve into next, is... You talk about how the folk punk is very much, it's raw and honest. Yeah. What did that give voice to from you? Uh, so, 
personally, like, my writing style, almost everything I've written, like, actually, no, everything I've written has pretty much been written in time with how it happens. Mm -hmm. I have a really hard time, like, sitting down and going, I'm going to write about blank now, Mm -hmm. and sitting there and being like, here's a song about that. But if I sit down and, like, reflect and go, like, okay, I've had a shitty couple of months. Here's the catalyst that caused it to be shitty. How did that affect it? What do I want to do about it? Mm -hmm. Almost, like, thought clouding. Mm -hmm. I'll then, like, break it down. Like, I have a song called, like, Anxiety Attack or Panic Attack or something like that. I still haven't really decided on titles for half of my shit. (laughs) They're all work in progresses. But, uh, I specifically wrote that song, like... Three days after I had had a really weird conversation with that same shitty ex. Mm -hmm. That was, uh, that song was written about the first time that I had ever said, hey, fuck however you're feeling. You can tell me to fuck off after this, but I'm pretty sure I'm in love with you. Yeah. And that night chronicled me basically having a panic attack, telling him that, and the minute I said, I love you turned and started vomiting into his trash can because my anxiety got me so worked up that I couldn't get the words out without, like, immediately, literally word vomiting. (laughs) So if that tells you anything about who I am as an anxious person. (laughs) But uh, all of my music has kind of been written, like, as it happens. So anxiety was me reflecting, like, oh, God, I wish I could have just taken that shit back. I wish I never said it, Mm -hmm. like... That that wasn't the time for me to do it. I rushed into it. I thought that it was a bigger deal than it was. And, mm-hmm. like, I could have done it so many other ways. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I've got, you know, more depressing songs like 5AM, which chronicle, you know, some dark shit that happened to me. Or I've got Bathroom Sink, which very much, you know, chronicles me going, like, my mental health is slipping and this is me reaching out for help because that's a really important thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it's finding folk punk specifically, like... Most music is, in one way or another, a form of self-expression. Yes. That being said, not all self-expression is, like, radical honesty, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like, I can express myself as the party girl all I want. Kesha made, like, albums (laughs) off of it. That is her entire career. That is her brand. And she does it well. She's also a fucking genius, yes, though. No. Her IQ is through the roof. I had a She's friend. She's ghostwritten for so many different artists. I respect the fuck out of her as a woman. I cannot stand any of her music. I hate her music. Oh, I mean, I love but it. But she's a genius. <laughs> it's so much fun, though. I didn't know what made me really respect her. One of my friends, he was so in love with her as a person. It was, he found out that she used to sit in um, college classes. Yeah. Like she had graduated. She would just sit in college classes. Because it was something fun to, to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, but like, all music is self expression. She's expressing that, you know, she's young and she wants to party and she mm-hmm. wants to have fun and she doesn't want people to hold her back. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until this most recent album with songs like Praying and like other shit like that where she really d- like dives into some serious shit happened to me and I'm ready to talk about it now. Yeah. Whereas there's other artists that, you know, very much all of their music is, hey, it might be depressing. Like, that's where the whole genre of emo came from. Mm -hmm. It might be depressing, but here's everything I'm fucking dealing with because someone out there is going to relate to it. And if not, at least it's off my chest. Well, and that's one of the things that I really appreciate about music in general is you can let yourself go 
and get things out. Yeah. There's a thing that I've been doing over the last several months is trying to find genuine people that are actually like, that are very real. And I don't mean real like, life's fucking terrible, man. I'm like shooting up like, I just mean like people that are very, that was really, (laughs) that was a really, that was a really extreme analogy. But I say that to say is like, I am looking for genuine people that are actually living life and they're not afraid to talk about life. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about you is that you're very much, this is me up front. Let's go. Yeah. And like, like I was saying though, like finding folk punk, like those artists very much aren't afraid to do that. Mm -hmm. Whether it is, you know, like you said, like some dark shit, like drug use or anything like that. Or if it's something as simple as, you know, I'm homeless because I ran away because I wasn't comfortable in the situation I was in, but I would rather be uncomfortable by the lack of preparation, Mm -hmm. but still happy and alive versus being a depressed piece of shit in an abusive situation and possibly not being here a year from now. Like it's those raw like parallels and things like that, that really spoke to me through that kind of genre. Mm -hmm. And as much as I don't play that genre all that often, like, I definitely take influence from a lot of those artists when it comes to, like, identifying my own writing process. Mm -hmm. And I just, I really appreciate, like, the idea of being that honest with people. Like, it's never been something easy to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) It's never been something easy to do, but at the same time, it's something that I feel, like, needs to be done more often. Mm-hmm. I feel like especially now as artists even a lot of artists put on like a facade or a stage persona like my name's Xander but people know me as Crash. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm on stage or when I'm hanging out with friends and being the fun wild one like I am Crash. Mm-hmm. But Crash is more what I want people to see out of me mm-hmm. versus like here I am just as an everyday person. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that if you're given that kind of platform, like, I'm not saying people, like, hold me on a pedestal, I'm not saying anything like that, but if you're going to give me, like, a solid chunk of your time to speak to you, mm-hmm. then I feel like, you know, you can have your fun songs, you can have your party songs, you can do whatever you want to do, but take a little bit of that time, even if it's just a song or two, and, like, actually say something worth saying. Mm-hmm. Even if people don't agree with your opinions, if you feel strongly enough about it to write about it, it's worth saying. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like, stand up, make your little bit of a statement. It doesn't have to be political. It doesn't have to be anything big. But, like, even if you're saying something as simple as, you know, I'm scared people are going to leave me. Mm-hmm. Like, abandonment is a huge theme in a lot of music. Yeah. It's a huge theme in a lot of any kind of, like, media now. Mm -hmm. But it's raw, it's honest, and if you actually look and listen to people that are talking and writing about it, even if you personally don't experience that feeling, like, if you're not scared of losing people or if you're not scared of something like that, it allows you to empathize. Mm -hmm. Like, not even sympathize, but, like, actually, like, feel what they're feeling and go okay, this is something we need to talk to because that's actually a real issue for you. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gives you that chance to, like, start a conversation with people, Mm -hmm. which is the biggest thing for my music. Because like I said, you know, my friend had mentioned that, you know, you've always had a hard time talking. 
But in four minutes, you just got that whole point across. Mm-hmm. You know, that's their conversation starter. If yeah. I can't start a conversation with you, but I can play you a song and go, here's how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. At that point, it's going to be a lot easier to like then go, okay, well, you said, you know, in your chorus, like, I wish you wouldn't leave. Mm-hmm. Who are you talking about? What do you mean by that? Like, how does that affect you? Like, are you doing it because you are selfish and just want to keep people around? Are you doing it because you're, you feel that you never get to hold on to things? Like, how... It's, you know, yeah, it's, it's it's like a musical therapy session is like is. the best way I can put it. And one of the biggest things, and this is an encouragement to you, is as a creative we have the ability to take very huge and large concepts and feelings and aspirations. And we're just able to take these huge human emotions and human, just these things that human beings have to go through. Yeah. And we can package that and then just pass it over to you in four minutes, a two hour movie, a six minute short. So encouraging you, I want to say is like, continue to do that. Like take whatever your life experiences are or the experiences from other people and wrap it up so that other people can hear it and they get touched by it and then they keep going. Yeah. So like with my podcast and with my YouTube stuff, it's like, who's that one person that I can reach? Like yeah. who can this one person, like what can I make that affects one person that they'll go and do something and they'll create something or they'll just have a better quality of life because you can take that from anybody and everything. But I think right now we're in a place within our society where one, we're in a place where there's so much that's coming into our psyche or just our our area of being a human being is that we can't decipher what we're trying to do or what we want or what we need. And so whenever we listen to certain things or we hear people talk, it gets to our soul and you're like, oh, it's giving me a moment of clarity. And like, this is what's going on with me right now. And then I can kind of figure that out and then I'll keep going and I'll build from here and I'll go and create yeah. or I'll go and fix and I'll go and change whatever, whatever I'm doing. So take that and do what you will with it. Yeah. But I just want everyone that I come into contact with, I want them to know like you have a purpose. You are reaching people no matter how big or how small or you may not even see it, but it's that cause and effect. Me and a manager were talking about cause and effect, and we were walking through the mall. We were on, we were on break. I used to work at Atlantic Station. Oh, we were no. on break in Publix, and we're talking about cause and effect and how we do one thing and how that reaches so many other people. And I just walk up to this lady, like we were talking. He's like, "How does it look?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Like all this stuff, all this stuff. I just walk up to this lady and I touch her. And I'm like, "Hey, ma'am." Me and my friend are talking about cause and effect. I just want to say hi, so and so. Have a great afternoon. So I go back to my friend and I was like, now that can stop right there with her. And she's like, that was freaking weird. Some black dude just freaking talked to me <laughs> and like, just touched me. I'm like, what oh, the heck? Oh, no. Or if she was conscious enough, she would have a conversation five days, six years from now. Oh, yeah. Cause and effect. This person stopped me and they're trying to tell me about cause and effect. That's weird. But like I help inspire something that could happen it could take root yeah seven years from now a week or two from now like there's a million different branches that could have different branches i love the multiverse theory it's a billion different branches but that is that's what i caused so as creatives we have that ability to give people the the playground to play with all all the thought and all the expression the feelings so yeah yeah that's what i would encourage is you are helping people start something 
Yeah. And one more thing I'll add to that too is, uh, as a creative, I'm sure you can relate to this, that moment of almost like a creative or like a writer's block Mm -hmm. where you get to the point where you don't know how to continue putting material out because you feel like you're at a point where you've run out of things to say. Mm -hmm. Like, I love the idea of writing. I love the idea of putting music out. But I spent almost all of 2017, I wrote two songs in 2017. I wrote one that I started in January on New Year's Eve because I was like, I'm drunk. I have feelings. I'm going to (laughs) start writing. And I didn't finish it until the end of February. Mm -hmm. Didn't write again at all until the end of December. Mm-hmm. I tried. I sat down. I tried to write. I felt like I kept saying the same fucking things over and over and over again. And it felt disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want to keep putting out the same material because eventually people are going to get fucking tired of hearing the same three topics mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, like, finding those things that are constantly changing you, you know, reaching out and affecting other people's lives, letting other people affect you in order to gain experiences from those to have more to work mm-hmm. from or just to have more that affect you as a person. Yeah. Like you can't say you've truly lived until you've had all of these mm-hmm. different experiences and we never truly have the amount of experiences that we would want to, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know necessarily how to say that. Mm-hmm. But like I feel personally that, like, I'm always trying to gain more and more out Mm -hmm. of what I'm, like, the situations I'm in. Mm -hmm. Whether that be, oh, I'm out in public by myself. I'm going to have one random conversation with a stranger today and see if I can meet someone new. Yeah. Or, okay, you know, me and some friends want to start a music project. I don't know half the people that they want to bring into this, but I'm going to meet all of them and I'm going to talk to them and learn their stories the same way, you know, you're trying to learn people's stories now because hell, maybe they'll tell me something that resonates with me and then I can either share that with someone else and get something from that Mm -hmm. or I can take that personally and use it as a point of reflection. Um, How do you want your music to affect other people? So that's a real one. Yeah. Man, that's that's actually, like, on one hand, I want to say that's not something I've thought about a lot, because my music very much to me is a personal thing. Like, when I'm writing it, I'm not thinking about how I want people to take it. I'm thinking about how I want, like, myself to take it and to present it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't have thoughts about, like, the people that have talked to me about how they've taken my music. Mm Mm-hmm. And learning from that and going forward. Okay. I I very much, like I said, you know, I, I like to pride myself in the fact that my music is very raw and honest and open. And I would like people to see that. Like, I'd very much like them to be able to be like, okay, yeah, they're, they're putting it all out there. They're not going to hold it back for the sake of me, you know, not seeing something or for the sake of, like, protecting someone's feelings. Like, if they feel it needs to be done, it's going to be done. At the same time, it's also something that I very much worry about almost. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, I do talk about some very, you and know, disturbing topics sometimes. Let's, let's go to that really quick within your music. Yeah. So you have two songs that you were talking to me about this past Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about how before you um, perform one of those songs, you kind of give a trigger warning. So I normally give a trigger warning before both. Mm-hmm. One of them is a trigger warning for sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And that is my song, 5 Mm a.m. 
And because of that, you know, I tend to start to play it with, you know, I personally wrote this song in a very dark time in my life. I had some, you know, cruel shit done to me. I was gaslit. I was emotionally manipulated. I was physically assaulted. And because of all of that, I'm going to give you, you know, this moment of if that's something that you're not personally ready to hear yet, or if that's something that's going to, you know, harm you rather than help you. I will not be offended if you need to step out for a smoke or something like that. Like, I want everyone here to feel like they're in a safe space. Mm -hmm. But a safe space is, you know, it goes both ways. I want this to be a safe space where I feel comfortable enough sharing my music with you. But I also want you to feel comfortable enough that if it's too much for you or if it's something that you want to have a conversation with me about after, that can happen in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And then I also have Bathroom Sink which is very much, you know, I start that song slowly and I'm almost talking over my guitar. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, hey, you know, like I've mentioned before, these conversations are very hard to have. You know, mental health is a very tricky thing. It's really hard to reach out. And sometimes it's a lot easier for both parties involved if, you know, you as a friend who might not be struggling at the time, you know, just check in. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't respond... Even if we do, send a message and go, you know, hey, pal, I was thinking about you. I'd love to catch up sometime, you know, not even to make sure you're okay, but just to see how you're doing. Mm. Because there's only really one of three things that can happen. Either they're going to say, I'm not really in a space that I'm comfortable talking right now, but when I am, I'll get back to you. Or if I am, then I'll get back to you because it's nobody is required to share anything with you. Mm -hmm. If they don't feel comfortable enough to, they should not have to. Mm -hmm. Or they'll go, yeah, I'd love to talk to you about some stuff. Like, can we meet up? Or, you know, they'll tell you that they're doing great. And then you'll get to catch up with a friend and just see how they've been for a while. Mm -hmm. So in the sense of that, I tend to give those trigger warnings because I know how personal they were for me to write. Mm -hmm. And I know how personal and like... To this day, there's even days where I might not be in the headspace I thought I was, and I'll go, oh yeah, it's fine to play that song, and halfway through, I'll start, you know, crying on stage. Like, I won't stop playing the song, but I'll start getting emotional, you know, my voice will break, I'll tear up a bit, and, you know, in those senses, I know how they move me, so I always feel, you know, the the necessity to then, you know, warn people, like, content warnings, trigger warnings, like... I need you to know that this is something that we're going to speak about because I do want you to hear this experience. I do want you to understand that you're not alone in it. Like, uh, I had one person come up to me after a show and I had played 5am and then bathroom sink back to back. And I had given like a joint trigger warning and I was like, you know, Hey, this first one is a really hard thing for me to admit that happened. But the second one is me asking for help moving on from it. And she had mentioned, she was like, hey, you know, the first song you wrote, you said made you strong because you're talking about what happened. But I think, or no, she had mentioned that the first song that you had played was the hard one. And the second one was how you were gaining your strength back and asking for help. But I think it was the first song that you played that is really what made you strong Because you were able to put into words something that thousands of people are too scared to talk about because it's something that is so traumatic and hurtful for them Mm -hmm. that they're afraid that either people are going to lash back or people are going to, you know, react poorly to it. Mm -hmm. 
And in sharing that, you shed some light on my own life. And now I feel comfortable enough to go have that conversation with somebody else that really needs to hear it. So that way we can move forward. Yeah. And hearing that come from somebody that had never met me before, had never heard my music, that was their first time ever seeing me, mm. tell me that my music had affected them deeply enough to allow them to then take those steps towards having their own conversation, mm-hmm. it moved me to tears. It blew me away. Yeah. Like, how do you... Like, to this day, I still can't wrap my head around, like, what am I supposed to respond to that with besides, like, giving them a giant hug? (laughs) Like, I'm so sorry you also went through that. Like, we're here together. If you ever need to talk, I'm here for you. But, like, that's about all I know how to respond. Like, I know how to process what happened to me, but whenever someone else tells you, it always, like, is a gut hit. You never really know, like, what to do. So, being a survivor of a traumatic event, for you, what has helped build yourself back up or heal from that process? So, again, that's that's kind of a hard one. Um, part of me wants to say, you know, if I could be like who I am in the future looking back at me now or a couple months previous. Part of me wants to say, you know, speak up sooner. Mm. Don't sit there and try to help them heal And don't try to help them come back from what they did to you. Help yourself get past what was done because you didn't deserve that to happen to you. But at the same time, like, I would never, I would never tell someone else to rush their process. Like, however long it takes you to heal, whatever you have to do, do it in your own time. And I would never want to look back at myself and then be like, hey, you're taking too long to heal. Like, get Mm -hmm. over your bullshit and deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely, you know, relying on your group of friends. Like, it might be really hard to talk to people about that kind of thing. But I promise you, the people that are worth sticking around and keeping in your life will know how to handle it and how to help you per se. Mm -hmm. Like it might be hard for them to hear, but at the same time, they're going to be the people that know you the best that can be like, here's what we can all do. How can I help you do it? Mm -hmm. Because if I didn't have the support system I had when it happened, I don't know where I'd be. Like the people that, you know, held my hand and helped me get back on my feet and very much like launched me into this new part of my life really did help me, like, get everything back into perspective. Like, I went from, you know, having almost nightly PTSD flashbacks and dreams and things like that about, like, oh, my God, like, how do I do this? Mm -hmm. To then, you know, having those less and less and getting to the point where I was... I'm now to a point where if I see my abuser in public... I can walk the other way and just be like, it's honestly not worth my time at this point. I've done everything I can do. I can't hold him any more accountable than I already am. Mm -hmm. Because at a certain point, you have to go, do I want to make my whole life a crusade to point out what they did and point out, oh, they hurt me? Mm -hmm. Or do I actually want to move past the hurt and heal? Mm -hmm. Because you can only sit there and scream and, you know go on about everything that happened to you for so long before you start losing who you are and just becoming like 
a victim. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I got myself to a point where I was so wrapped up in what happened that people only saw me as the victim. They mm-hmm. didn't see me as, like, somebody that was actively trying to move past that. Mm-hmm. And my friends very much were the people that were like, hey... I love you, but it's been like six months. You got to sh- either move <laughs> on from this shit or get some therapy or something. Yeah. Like, we can't keep sitting here hearing you say the same shit over and over. Yeah. Like, help yourself. We've tried to help you, and at this point, you're bitching to bitch. <laughs> and it, it sounds cruel and it yeah. sounds mean, but if it wasn't that, like, you know, rude awakening kind of slap in the face of, we know it happened. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows it happened at this point. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do to move past it? Yeah. I would have never actually looked at myself and been like, how do I move past this? Mm-hmm. Because I was so wrapped up in, oh God, it happened. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, you know, figure out how to move on and do it as soon as you're comfortable with it. Because the longer you sit and stew on it, the more and more of yourself that you lose and then have to recreate. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, picking up what's left of you, being a stronger version of you, and just pushing through. Yeah. And that goes for anything. It's not It's not just, like, assaults. It's not just traumatic events. Like, as a person that's growing and healing, like, everything that happens in your life, if you don't like it, change it. Change it. Like, change don't, don't let yourself get wrapped up in the tiny, shitty things that constantly... Like, it's not worth it. You you have the power within you to create your reality. And I like that. That was good. Damn. Damn. That was really good. So. <laughs> <laughs> what is something that you want your audience to know? I feel like there's been a lot of good nuggets in here. Yeah. But, like, what, like this question specifically. I guess... <laughs> I'm going to be cliche in a second and uh, quote one of my favorite TV shows here lately because that's kind of been about what my life has been at. Plug it. (laughs) So first I'm going to say like definitely as, you know, as a person, constantly be evaluating yourself. If you ever become complacent in where you are in life, I feel like that's kind of where we stop growing. And growth is so immensely important as people, as a, like, just as a society. Like, if we are not changing as an individual, we cannot expect anything on a large scale to change. But at the same time, like, as much as growth and evaluation is important, like, find the things you love and do them. Like, here's where I was mentioning that TV show. I've been watching way too much fucking Letterkenny, let's be real. Oh, yeah, Letterkenny's amazing. So good. What I had mentioned was, there's a quote in this show. It's said by their main character, Wayne, almost every episode. And it's, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I've never had something resonate with me like that. Like, I know it sounds stupid because it's something, like, small, like, quirky that this character always says... But it's only been the last couple months that I've truly gotten to a point where I genuinely love what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm doing my music, I'm expressing myself, I'm helping others, I'm, you know, giving platforms to others to try to lift them up instead of tearing people down. Like, I've been working on myself so much and trying to work on my own evaluations and my own changes that getting to a point where I'm comfortable and passionate about what's happening has made a world of difference from my mental health to my interpersonal relations to everything. Like 
in the last year so much has changed that just like in the last two years even like if you look at where I started when I moved to Atlanta to where I was at the start of this year to now which is you know mid-January none of those three people are the same person right like they're all me Mm -hmm. but they're in such different points in their life that I look back and I'm like holy fuck what was I doing Mm mm-hmm like, at one point, I look, and I was like, oh, well, they're a sad sack of shit. Like, look at what's <laughs> happening to them. And then I look, and I look back at, you know, the beginning of 27, or the beginning of 2018. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, like, they're healing, they're healthy, they've got all these friends around, like, look at everything. And then I remember the downslide that happened, and then mm-hmm. I remember, like, everything that led me to here. And I'm looking at where I'm at now, and I'm on this whole, like, new kick of, like, oh, yeah, look at where I fucking am. And yeah. I'm sure it's going to be a roller coaster. Yeah, I'm right. sure it's going to go back and forth just like it did last year and the year before. Yeah. But, like, taking everything that I learned from those, mm-hmm. like, you know, ups and downs and applying it to now with that self-evaluation is so fucking important. Like, I literally just finished a song or started a song, almost <laughs> finished. Like, two nights ago about, like, I'm working on some changes. I really hope that people are, like, realizing that because Mm -hmm. I personally have not liked the person that I've been for a while. Mm -hmm. I have gone through a lot of different aspects of my personality trying to figure out what's what. Mm -hmm. And I finally feel like I'm settling into, like, the best me I can be at the moment. Mm -hmm. Like, not at all, like, over general, because that's never going to happen. Like, you're always able to change and be better. For sure. But as of right now, I feel like I'm starting to settle into where I need to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing that the changes that I've made to get to that point up until now are, like, finally starting to, like, lock in and, like, actually make, like, a decent fucking person. (laughs) And it wouldn't be without those, like, self-evaluations that I would have gotten there. Yeah. And I'm realizing I'm rambling again. <laughs> it's okay. That is fine. That is... This is more than enough content. This is the question from the guest last episode. And for those of you that didn't hear our last guest, she's pretty grand. You should listen to her. Um, her question for Crash is, what is your passion? And it consists with a few different things. What's your passion? Why? What drives you? How can you help others with your gift? So, Crash, what is your passion? Oh, boy. Passion? Who's she? (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, okay, so I guess I would say that, like, my main passion right now would definitely have to be my music. I know it's, like, an overarching thing. Like, that's all we've really been talking about, surprisingly. Ho-ho. The musician talks about themselves. But, uh... It's, like, if anything, because of why I do my music, like, I would say that my passion would be, like, just getting to express to people, like, what's going on. Sharing, like, experiences with people. Mm -hmm. Whether that's through song or whether that's through just conversations with people like we're having now Mm -hmm. or, like, you know, you would have with anybody just through talking, it's really important to me to, you know, get to learn about people as genuinely as possible. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd like to actually get to learn, like, who you are versus who you're showing people. Mm -hmm. Like, I have a really weird habit of, like, I'll talk to people and they'll ask me questions 
and I'll reach back in and like pick questions back out of their brain. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put that in the Rolodex for later. So when I'm talking to someone that has no clue that this conversation happened, <laughs> I'm gonna hit them with your question, and they're gonna look at me like I'm fucking wild. Take it. Go ahead. What a fucking madman. <laughs> mad <Yeah. lads. laughs> he sat on the floor. What a fucking madman. But uh, I I like I really do just love getting into people's heads not in like a i'm gonna fuck with you kind of way but in a like i genuinely want to know who you are as a person like Mm -hmm. like i was saying you know artists create personas that people get to see because they have to be you know in the light whenever they're performing or they have to you know then deal for another three or four hours after every show or before every show or whenever they're on the road on tour like that's what people see out of them Mm -hmm. they expect like this person that they see on stage to continue throughout everything instead mm-hmm. of being like, that's me on stage and here's me as a person. Yeah. Fuck your stage persona. Yeah. I could give two shits less who the fuck they are. Yeah. I want to know who you are when you go home, mm-hmm. take your shoes off, slip into <laughs> your little loafers, and kick up and watch, like, Hulu all night. Like, yeah. I want to know who that person is. Yeah. Like, I genuinely want to, like... Get into the brain of that person. I want to make like a hot toddy and I want to sit down and just like climb through your brain. Nice. <laughs> and I know that sounds fucking insane. <laughs> no, it's good. But it's, it's like one of the few things that like I'll sit with people and listen to them talk mm-hmm. for fucking hours. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll talk back and we'll have conversations, but like I genuinely just like sitting there and hearing people like ramble almost yeah. because then I get to see how your thought process works and I get to know who you are as a person Nice. versus, you know, here's a question. Here's your answer. Here's, you know, how we get there from point A to B. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck it. Tell me <laughs> like every little break that your brain goes on. If you want to go on a 20 minute tangent about how, you know, watermelon it. is your favorite fruit. <laughs> hint, hint, I have a watermelon tattoo, but, uh, <laughs> If you want to go on a 20-minute tangent about how, like, your favorite fruit or whatever, do it. Because if you feel like that's important to the story, I want to hear that. Mm -hmm. Like, in the end, it might not be. But if in the moment you were so passionate enough that you needed to mention it, Mm -hmm. then it's something that's worth being mentioned. And, like, it should be paid attention to. And I feel like not enough people are actually paid attention to as people. Mm -hmm. Like, they're paid attention to as, like, a unit Mm -hmm. versus, like... You are Jeremiah. You are not, you know, person A out of the seven people in this yeah. house right now. Yeah. You are Jeremiah. You are doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. You like to do these things. Mm-hmm. Like, you are a creator. Like, learn these things about people because that's going to be what helps you, like, actually develop relationships with them. Yeah. And that's so fucking important. Yeah. I'm rambling. No, that's good. That's <laughs> great. It's Rambling is okay. Crash? Thank you for sitting down and talking to Jeremiah. You've been listening to Perspectives of Jeremiah Stevenson. And today we had Xander Karkash Kid on the podcast. Um, how can people listen to your music? Oh, boy. That's a fun question. you got to plug yourself. Right. I'm not just going to bring you up here and be like, give me all your information. Give me like, all your talk shit. to me about your life and you don't get any of Like, plug yourself. Like, what, how right. do people find your music? So, I'm Crash. Um, you can find me at... At Car Crash Kid Atlanta on Facebook. It's at Car Crash Kid on Instagram. I've got a personal account on Instagram called at Harmony Parking Lot or Harmony Parking Lots. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, 
Yes, it's a Pat the Bunny reference, so sue me. And I'm also on Bandcamp as carcrashkid.bandcamp.com. I want to say that's all of my stuff. I could be wrong. I'm sure there's a SoundCloud with original recordings floating Ooh. around somewhere. So that means everyone needs to go and hunt that down. Oh, no. You'll hear them back when I was like 17, 18 and barely knew how to play. Find those OG tracks. Y'all. Oh, it's so ugly. You can find me, Jeremiah. Uh, I'm Parkour Geek on Instagram. P-A-R-K-O-U-R-G-3-3-K. Wow. G-3-3-K, Parkour Geek. The E's are threes because Ooh. it's late. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you can, you can also <laughs> find me on YouTube you. at uh, uh, Tokens Take A T O K E N apostrophe S T A K E. Um, and just follow the things that we do because everyone that I have on this podcast is doing something. We're all human beings, we're all living life to, to our fullest. Deuces.